0: Hello everyone, welcome to Counter Melody. Some of you may be discovering me for the first time because of the interview that was just published with me on Opera Box Score, a very popular opera podcast, one with a very different focus than mine, but one which I really enjoy listening to, as I imagine many of you do as well. I tend to focus more on great singers of the past on here and less on current events in the opera world. And one of my most fun outings recently was the one I published last week, a further examination of one of my favorite genres, alternate universe, bel canto. I had a very specific intention in mind And I heard back from a lot of people who really enjoyed it, but this was my favorite message. Just finishing the April Fool's episode, by the end, I really liked these ladies. Holy shit, they went for it. I'm inspired. That was exactly the takeaway, if you will, I wanted people to have for this episode. So thank you. And if you haven't heard it, (laughs) well, you're in for a treat. Today's theme is Holy Week. Now that doesn't sound all that promising, perhaps for an episode, but believe me, I have gone to great lengths to find a wide variety of music sung by some pretty amazing singers. When I did my Holy Week episode last year, I was aided by my dear friend, the phenomenal choral conductor Christina Berger, who had written a piece about how a musician, perhaps non-Christian, perhaps agnostic, perhaps queer, makes their peace with the theology of this incredible music. It was a terrific episode, and Christina is so beautifully spoken. Today, the focus is going to be more on just music and a wide range of things. We're going to hear art song having to do with Holy Week, the Passion, and more generally contemplative texts dealing with penitence, mortality, contrition, all those cheery topics. We will also hear some settings, some different and less well-known settings, of the 13th century poem Stabat Mater, which has inspired composers for centuries. And also, because some of you may be new listeners, I also want to give just an overview of the kinds of singers that I love, singers who have been featured before, singers and topics that I'm planning on doing episodes on, etc., etc. Anyway, yesterday was Passover. Now, there's not a whole lot of great classical music written for Passover, but I did find a very interesting oratorio composed by Paul Dessau in the 1930s, just after he had fled Germany to Paris. He collaborated with the author, scholar, translator Max Brod, whom you may remember as the literary best friend of Franz Kafka or the translator into German of the operas of Leoš Janáček. Neither of these gentlemen was versed in Hebrew, and so the text was composed by Brot in German and later translated into Hebrew, so performances of the piece in either language are completely echt. There is a 1995 studio recording of the so-called Haggadah She Pesach, which featured Bernd Weichel in the central role of the narrator. And Gerd Albrecht leading the Wilhelm Monches Staatsorchester Hamburg. This is a portion of the sprawling first section of the piece in which the story of the Exodus is narrated, as it would be at an observance of Passover.
1: Jesus hat mir ge-
0: Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. Each week you will encounter me, Daniel Guntler as your host, guiding you along a magical route that will bring us closer to the voices of those singers that most enchant and transform us, no matter what else is going on in the world. Thank you for joining me on that path. And now, this week's episode. In the past few weeks, the world of opera and classical music lost two great voices. First, just over two weeks ago, the great Romanian soprano Virginia Zeani died at the age of 97. And just last week, British countertenor James Bowman died at the age of 82. Next week, I will be doing an episode featuring both of those artists. For now, I just want to offer mini-tributes to both of those artists that reference today's theme. Because of Ziani's prowess in the Italian repertoire, from Verdi to the Verists, it's all too easy to forget that she also created the role of Blanche, in Poulenc's Dialogues of the Carmelites. According to Poulenc's wishes that the opera always be performed in the native language of the country in which it was being produced, in that first production the work was sung in Italian, so Zayani's role of Blanche is known here as Bianca. Zeani and an unbelievable group of singers active in Italy in those years, including... Leila Genser, Gianna Pederzini, Gigliola Frazzoni, Eugenia Ratti, and others starred in this production. Here's a brief moment from Act 1, Scene 1, where Blanche Bianca is in conversation with her father, portrayed here by Italian bass baritone Scipio Colombo. Nino Sanzonio leads the orchestra of La Scala. (laughs) important figure, and by his sheer existence and influence on all countertenors that followed in his wake. I'll talk more next week about my brief association with him, but now let's just listen to an anonymous lute song entitled Miserere, My Maker. I'm going to play stanzas two and three of this 1972 recording in which James is joined by the lutenist Robert Spencer. Just this past week, I had the distinct pleasure of meeting the young baritone Hugh Montague Rendell, whom I featured on one of my Peleas et Melisande episodes a year ago. I had heard Hugh live singing Marcello at the Komische Oper here in Berlin, and I was so taken with his work, and then when I heard his Peleas, well, I just became a full-fledged fan. And we began exchanging messages back and forth. Anyway, he's here in Berlin right now, preparing to sing the title role of Ambroise Thomas' Hamlet in just over a week's time. And he very kindly took time out to have lunch with me, and we talked about everything under the sun. For those of you who don't know, Hugh comes from an incredibly impressive lineage of singers. His father, David Rendell, a superb Tenor and his mother, the mezzo-soprano Diana Montague, won in a long line of those exquisite British mezzos, stretching back and into the future. Speaking of the future, Hugh mentioned to me that it is his mother's birthday on April 8th, so over the course of today's episode, I will be including selections by each member of this extraordinary musical family. Let us begin with The Birthday Girl. Here is Diana Montague in a selection from her recording of César Franck's massive oratorio, Les Beatitudes. In keeping with the dramatic element in many of these French oratorios of the time, this piece does not merely present the texts of each of the Beatitudes, but also features quite a dramatized struggle between the forces of good and evil. And in the Eighth Beatitude, it's a direct conflict between Satan and the so-called Mater Dolorosa, who appears after quite a tumultuous satanic conflict, describing herself as Moi du sauveur, je suis la mer. She proceeds to sing about the pain of observing the death of her son, and describes how she herself drank from the same chalice of sorrow as did her son, and she offers him up in sacrifice for the salvation of humanity. This was a live recording from the year 1990. His father is also a fantastic singer, the tenor David Rendell, who began his career in the 1970s as a Mozart singer, as a Bel Canto singer, and gradually, skillfully expanded his repertoire to include roles like Canio, Radames, and Otello, all of which he sang incredibly well. In keeping with today's theme, I'm going to play for you today. An excerpt from Rossini's Stabat Mater, filmed at Tewkesbury Abbey in 1988, in which David Rendell sings the famous Cuius Animam. <laughs> One of my great musical loves is art song. So, whenever I can, I figure out a way of bringing that repertoire into my episodes. And there's quite a bit of art song written on both contemplative themes in general and ones specifically referring to Holy Week and the Passion. One of the great Lieder composers, of course, is Hugo Wolf who some people feel is an acquired taste, but I have to say I've loved him from the very beginning. One of his most monumental achievements is his setting of the 53 poems to texts by Eduard Mörike, a fascinating character in and of himself. This set of Mörike Lieder reflect upon the entire range of human experience from matters Penitential and contemplative to raucous black humor. Today we're going to hear a setting of his text, Karwoche, Holy Week, as composed, of course, by Hugo Wolf. The performer we hear in this 1992 recording of the orchestrated version of this song is the Japanese German mezzo soprano Mitsuko Shirai, who was one of a number of singers I featured on my Women's Winterreise episode in the winter of 2022. She's a fantastic singer, and I have been collecting her in recent weeks and am planning to do an episode on her in the very near future. David Schallon leads the Radio Symphonie Orchestra Berlin. Witness of Holy Sorrow... You strike such a serious note in the rapture of springtime. In the youthful rays of the sun, you spread the shadow of the cross over the bright earth and sink silently in darkness like a shroud. Meanwhile, the spring must go on flourishing. The violet sends forth its perfume under the blossoming trees and all the little birds rejoice in song. Spring, dazed with mournful melodies, and in a trance from the thick clouds of incense seeks her bridegroom in the deathly tomb, and love, spring, alas, all is lost.
2: There's a little bit of a
0: Now, today is Monday, Thursday, and one of the great masterpieces of music written for this day is the series of compositions set by François Couperin Le Grand to Jeremiah's Lamentations, known in French as the Leçon de Ténèbres. I sang these many years ago now with the American Bach soloists, and my dear friend Derek Lee Reagan. we made a good team, I have to say. There are two solo settings. The first and second lessons are for solo voice, and then the two voices join in the third of those groups. Each one of these sections is preceded by an ornate vocal setting of the first Hebrew letter in the original Lamentations, a musical incipit that's almost like the first letter in an illuminated manuscript. And I'm going to play from the first Leçon de Ténèbre, Daleth and Vie Sion, as performed by the Swiss tenor Hugues Crinot. I have a particular fascination with what I call voiceless wonders. Voices, that is, of limited aptitude that nevertheless are capable of ringing out the last drop of emotion from the music. Crinot was an artist of the highest rank who nevertheless had precious little voice. He's, of course, famous for being the oldest singer to debut at the Met. He was in his late 80s, I think, when he finally sang Emperor Altum in Turandot. This recording's from many decades earlier, 1954, in which he is accompanied by an instrumental ensemble led by the composer Daniel Pinkham. the Stavat Mater, that amazing gradual sequence composed in the 13th century. It's been used as the basis for incredible musical settings for both solo and chorus through centuries and centuries. We are all very familiar, of course, with the setting by Pergolesi, for example, and I featured it a number of times on the podcast, featuring singers like Margaret Marshall and Judith Raskin, both favorites of mine. I did an episode on Margaret a couple years ago, and there is an upcoming episode on Judy Raskin. I'm going to play you now, however, a setting of the Stabat Mater by the Italian singer and composer Giovanni Felice Sanchez, who was born in the early years of the 17th century and died in 1679. My dear friend Sarah Pillow did a number of recordings of his work in the 1990s, recordings which really brought his name to the attention of a wider public. I asked her if she had a recording of his Tabat Mater that she had made, and she said unfortunately not, but I did find a recording, which is set for Alto Solo and Ensemble, featuring the Spanish countertenor Carlos Mena. He's of the generation of singers that were coming up through the ranks just after me, and he's one who's had certainly a much greater degree of success than I ever did. I think he's a wonderful singer. You know, I tend to be very critical of my fellow countertenors, but when I hear someone who's good, I will certainly foreground them. And I think that Carlos Mena is a beautiful singer. We hear him in this 2007 recording of a portion of the Sanchez Stavat Mater, E Amater Fons Amoris, with Philippe Pierlot leading the Richard Car consort. <music> ¶¶ inspired by Hugh and his parents, I have decided that this summer I'm going to do a special series on British singers. I've got a real backlog, (laughs) if you will, of British singers that I absolutely adore, and while I have not ignored them in the past, I think it is time to do a dedicated series featuring singers from the British Isles. With that in mind, we're now going to hear an excerpt from Franz Schubert's setting of the Stabat Mater. This is an early work of his that was translated into German. And we hear, in this 1979 recording, the soprano Sheila Armstrong with Michel Corbeau's leading the Lausanne Chamber Orchestra. This is Bei des Mittlers Kreuzestandenbaum. talking a lot about the sorrows of Mary. I must confess, I was not raised in a Catholic household. In fact, anybody who knows me knows that my father was a Lutheran minister. So that had its own series of challenges, both for him and me and the rest of my family. So when we talk about the sufferings of Mary, that's not really something that was a primary concern of uh, my father in his ministry for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Nevertheless, it provides composers with fertile ground for some amazing compositions. Of course, the Stabat Mater text is a prime example of that. But there are also some beautiful songs one by Franz Schubert, a setting of Friedrich Schlegel's Vom Mitleiden Marie. In this 1967 recording, we hear Werner Krenn with master accompanist Gerald Moore. When Mary stood beneath a cross, her heart experienced woe upon woe and pain upon pain. All Christ's suffering was imprinted on her heart. Upon Christ's head, through bone and brain, through eyes, ears, through his brow, sharp thorns must have pierced. The thorns pierced the son's brow and brain. They broke the mother's heart. Of you who are already friends of the podcast, know that I am eager to foreground the contributions of singers of color. So, this past Black History Month, as well as in previous years, I have dug deep into presenting singers, both pop and opera, who are both beloved favorites as well as those less celebrated but no less accomplished. Just A few short weeks ago, I published an episode, for instance, on the Verdi baritone Eugene Holmes, who, for the majority of his career, had a fest position at the house in Düsseldorf, Duisburg. He put out two exquisite albums of spirituals, and from the second of those from the year 1988... I'd like to play you this Harry Burley arrangement of an incredibly gorgeous spiritual, perhaps a little less well known than some of them, Weep and Mary. I featured both of those albums of Eugene Holmes' Singing Spirituals on a bonus episode that I published exclusively for my Patreon supporters, and let me just take a moment to tell you about that. I am supported by an incredibly generous group of people who provide either monthly or yearly support to the podcast via my Patreon page. When there is, for instance, an overflow of repertoire for a given episode, and it's just too painful for me to leave these on the cutting room floor, (laughs) then I produce bonus material for that group of Patreon supporters. So if you also want to join in, you can go to patreon.com slash countermelody, where you too can become a supporter. And I think I have about 60 bonus episodes that I've published now. And because so many things ended up not getting used on today's episode, I have a feeling I'm going to be putting a bonus episode together this very weekend. But a two-part episode that I did, about a year ago, I guess, featured the Paul Hindemith song cycle Das Marienleben, which was set to poems by Rainer Maria Rilke, the mezzo-soprano Jenny Tourell is one of my very favorite singers in the entire history of song, and she premiered the revised version of Hindemith's Marienleben cycle, and subsequently recorded it. This is one of her most obscure releases, and after searching for it for, I would say, decades, I finally came upon a well-used copy of that set. And I published two bonus episodes featuring that set, one for Christmas 2021 and one for Holy Week 2022. Those performances were interspersed by readings of the original Rilke texts by the great German soprano Lotte Lehmann, who is one of my, let's say, top three favorite singers of all time. The podcast is moving towards episode 200, and I have already determined that that can only be dedicated to Lotte Lehmann, because I've not yet featured her in a complete episode. Here is an excerpt from Das Marienleben, the poem Pietà. First read by Lotte Lehmann in a 1958 studio recording and then sung by Jenny Tourelle and pianist composer Erich Itor Kahn in their 1954 recording of the revised version of Hindemith's Marienleben.
2: Jetzt wird mein Elend voll und namenlos erfüllt es mich. Ich tarre wie des Steins inneres Starrt. Hart wie ich bin, weiß ich nur eins, du wurdest groß und wurdest groß, um als zu großer Schmerz ganz über meines Herzens Fassung hinaus zu stehen. Jetzt liegst du quer durch meinen Schoß, Jetzt kann ich dich nicht mehr gebären.
0: the Stabat Mater settings that I featured last year was the third portion of Frank Martin's Maria Triptychon*, a work in three parts, which was composed for the soprano Irnberg Seyfried and her husband, violinist Wolfgang Schneiderhan. I featured a live recording of the two of them performing that piece, and today I have another live recording, not with Seyfried, but with another beloved singer of mine, Swiss soprano Edith Matis. Once again, Wolfgang Schneiderhan plays the violin in this 1984 recording, in which Jean Fournet conducts the Schweizerisches Festspielorchester. Oh, <laughs> At the beginning of March, my friend, soprano Roberta Alexander, celebrated her birthday, and I did an episode in her honor in which I featured her in her wide range of operatic roles. She's also performed a lot of Dutch music, which I guess is not surprising, since she has lived for many decades now in Holland. But one of the most exquisite of the music by Dutch composers that she has sung and recorded is a song cycle by Hendrik Andriessen, who lived from 1892 to 1981. In 1923, he composed a cycle based on poems by the French poet Henri Gaillon, called Miroir de Pen, Mirror of Pain. Five exquisite poems, again focused specifically on Mary's observations and sufferings as Jesus undergoes his passion. The cycle was originally set for female voice and organ, and it was subsequently orchestrated ten years later for voice and string orchestra. I have in my own collection four exquisite performances of this cycle, featuring Ellie Ameling in the version with organ, And in the orchestral version, Greek soprano Irma Kolasi, Mitsuko Shirai, whom we heard earlier, and Roberta Alexander. These are all exquisite. I can't believe I had to make a choice among them, and that I could only pick one song. But because of time constraints, that's exactly what I had to do. Don't worry, I'm going to put the complete cycle in one form or other on that bonus episode but I'm going to play you the second of those settings. Flagellation. Flagellation. Once I was concerned for you because of a bee, a crease in your cloth or even less, on your cheeks flowered like apricots, the golden sheen. If then it had been said that soon the people would raise their hand against such beauty, destroy the fruit before its fruition, that promised to be perfect in autumn. I would have hidden deep in my soul the gift of God, my all, and taken upon me his vexation. For is it just that of this pain, the sting of the scourge striking your heart? I suffer but the echo and not the wound. This is the exquisite Roberta Alexander in a 1992 recording featuring the Netherlands radio orchestra led by David Porcelain. When I prepared my episode four years ago on the African-American soprano Gloria Davy, I encountered a rare recording of her singing spirituals arranged by African-American composer Julia Perry. Even with the increasing prominence given to a number of African-American composers and women composers like Florence Price and Undine Smith-Moore, Still, Julia Perry remains a bit of a shadowy figure. Her output is small, and she encountered a great deal of physical suffering in her life, which was cut short by illness. This may be one reason we know a little bit less about her, because her output is relatively small, but her first major work was a setting of the Stabat Mater for mezzo-soprano and orchestra. Up until recently, there was only one recording available of this, and much as I wanted to play the piece, which was stunning, the singing on that recorded version was so lousy, I simply couldn't see clear to doing so. Imagine when I was once again looking into Julia Perry and her Stabat Mater setting this week, my joy in finding a gorgeous performance by the young mezzo-soprano Brianna Hunter, with Leon Botstein leading the orchestra now in a live stream that was produced in November 2021. I see certain similarities here to Franck Martin's setting, but Julia Perry has a distinct voice all her own, as does Ms. Hunter, and I'm really thrilled to offer them both to you today. This is the movement. Quis est homo qui non fleret. At the top of the episode, I mentioned another young singer with whom I am greatly impressed, Hugh Montague Rendell. You've heard both of his parents already, and they are amazing. And I have to say that Hugh is carrying on the family tradition in an incredibly impressive way. Like I said, I think his peleas is one for the ages, and that's a role that he will be singing in both the U.S. and France, so if anybody has a chance to hear him, go do it. Or simply watch the live-streamed performance from Rouen from, I think that was in February 2021. It's very easy to find on YouTube. You really must give it a viewing, because he's amazing. Alongside his growing operatic credits. He's also done a lot of performances of art song that have also appeared on YouTube, and I'd like to share a setting of Gerald Finzi's from his Shakespeare cycle Let Us Garland's Bring. This is not a specifically religious text, but it is very much a memento mori text, a contemplative text, a funeral march of sorts set to the text Fear no more the heat of the sun. We hear Hugh in this live recording from Nancy in February 2020, accompanied by the pianist Ilio Vida.
1: Shkru. You may and re-
0: One of the British singers that I will most emphatically be featuring this summer is the Cornish baritone Benjamin Luxon, a singer for whom the need to communicate is so palpable across all of the genres in which he performed. His career was cut short, quite tragically, by sudden deafness, but he has continued to perform in various platforms other than singing. And before the sudden end of his career, he made a wide range of incredible recordings, including a complete set of Wolf's Mörike settings. I'm going to play for you Zeufzer, A Sigh. In this 1972 recording, he is accompanied by his frequent collaborator, the pianist David Willison. Oh Lord, your passionate love, how I meant to treasure it, how I meant to cherish it. I have neither treasured nor cherished it. My heart is dead, and I suffer the pain of hell. perhaps the greatest memento mori musical setting is in the third movement of brahms' deutsches requiem here lehre doch mich das ein ende mit mir haben muss lord teach me that i must die that my life has a final goal and that i must journey toward it we're going to hear the great bass baritone Hans Hotter in a rare live recording from Cologne, in which the Kölner Rundfunk, Symphony Orchestra and Chor are led by the Romanian maestro Sergiu Celibidache. Of consolation, I'm going to offer you Florence Quivar singing that exquisite aria of comfort that is heard in Felix Mendeson's Elijah as an angel comes to lend relief to a despairing Elijah. Oh, rest in the Lord. In this 1995 recording, Robert Shaw leads the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra. Oh, meet my In keeping with the prayerful theme today, I'd like to offer you a performance by the great African-American mezzo-soprano Betty Allen. This is the world premiere performance of a song cycle that was written for her by Virgil Thompson. He had originally proposed setting texts by D.H. Lawrence, which evidently miss allen a very proper woman was not in favor of so instead he found a beautiful series of texts which he entitled praises and prayers of which this is the fourth one an anonymous evening prayer before sleeping as i mentioned this is the world premiere performance that took place on the 24th of october
2: 1963. Or I lay me down to sleep I pray my soul
0: that I do on this podcast. As I mentioned earlier, I present singers that I feel need to be placed before the public. There are so many important artists that I've done that with. I would say that the discovery that has provided me with perhaps the greatest artistic satisfaction was that of the African-American mezzo-soprano Muriel Smith. She was the original Carmen Jones on Broadway, and she went on to appear in the first London productions of South Pacific and The King and I. I've done two full episodes on her, and they are well worth seeking out. She's my kind of singer. At the end of last year's Holy Week episode, I presented her singing the exact same thing. There's just nothing like it. I've never heard the spiritual Were You There? sung with this degree of fervor and intensity, passion, wonder, sadness. It's all there. My God, I love this singer so much, and it's my great joy to present her to you. And I'll do my sign-off now so that Muriel gets the last word. My dear friends, Keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Kuntlach.
2: Were you there one they crucified?